You are now listening to Abstract Thought. This is a podcast where artists and creatives discuss their journey through art, um, their business through art, and as well just kind of share some some journeys throughout their their process as a creative. And today I'm sitting down with the homie Darren. How are you doing, Darren? I'm doing well, man. I just chugged an espresso shot, so I'm ready. Ready to go. (laughs) So I guess listeners who aren't aware of Darren's work, um, he does really, really cool stuff, awesome paintings. He has a really interesting background with graffiti and also his, um, his, his partner does really cool artwork as well. Her name's Hillary. Her stuff's super cool too. So if you can, for people who don't know where to find some of your work before we kind of get in, could you let people know sort of, uh, you know, a website or Instagram or social media where people can check your stuff out? Yeah. Uh, as far as a website, my uh, lovely girlfriend, Hillary, is going to get that going for me very soon because I'm not very tech savvy. Um, but you can find me on Instagram. It's at made by Darren. And my name is spelled phonetically D-A-R-I-N. Um, and also check out my girlfriend, Hillmatic, H-I-L underscore Matic. Uh, I'll play on Illmatic by Nas. Heck yeah. Yeah, definitely check Darren and Hill's stuff out. They're doing really, really cool stuff. Um, so first thing, I guess, if you can help me understand a little bit better about your background, sort of, you know, where you grew up, where you come from, and how art sort of plays a role in that development early on. Yeah, definitely. So where I come from is kind of a mixed bag. Um, I spent my early childhood in Oakland. Um, so up until I was about 10 years old, I lived in Oakland. And then we moved to LA. Um, both places definitely have a really cool creative scene. Um, my parents are both creatives, but they're not by profession necessarily. Um, my dad is an insurance salesman, um, which doesn't sound very artsy at all, but he's also uh, like a rocker stoner type of guy and just dabbles in architecture and has taught himself how to use all of the 3D rendering and vectoring programs. So he's designed his own houses. He's helped people like rebuild their houses. And um, my grandmother is an interior designer. So he's also picked on that. Um, And my mom more directly works in the arts. She actually does work in fashion. So, um, you know, there's a creative line there. You know, she wants to fit them and can do all the, uh, you know, figure drawing sketches and has a really cool aesthetic. but yeah, so I'm, I lived in Oakland and then we moved to LA when I was around 10. Um, so my early years are definitely informed by the Bay Area, which has a bit of a more, I wouldn't say softer, but kind of a more playful art scene, I would say. And then um, LA has a bit more um, of a hard edge. So I got both because in my early childhood I was in the Bay and then I went to LA. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, the, you know, a high level overview and I'm happy to talk more about any of that. Yeah, definitely, man. I think it's super interesting, like where you touched on your background with, you know, your mom being in fashion. I bet that was like really interesting growing up. You know, did she do some work from home to where, you know, when you're home from school or something, you're able to see her kind of chewing away on coming up with ideas and, and concepts and designs. And, you know, is that something you saw her kind of doing? Yeah, definitely. She went to fashion school later in life. So when I was in early high school, she was doing FITM in LA, which is a fashion institute of design and something. Um, And so I would come home to her, you know, sketching out dress ideas and putting together portfolio stuff. Um, And it was really cool to see. I didn't really think about it at the time. It was just kind of part of life. But looking back, seeing her being really driven and taking it seriously, uh, you know, essentially a creative output, um, definitely had an impact. Uh, Her father was also an artist. He uh, did portraits um, just for fun. Like, you know, that wasn't what he did as a profession, but he would just uh, do pencil sketches. So there's definitely a lot of creatives in my family. That's awesome, man. That's super cool. I love hearing like some of the the family lineage of artists and kind of it's always interesting to me too how some people will have like you know a great aunt who was like very prolific as an artist or 
you know, even someone who married into the family who just so happened to be an artist. And if you're exposed to that person at a certain age, you know, you're like, hey, art is something that's really cool that this new person in my life, you know, does. It's really cool that, you know, I can strive to do something creatively similar, which is really, really neat. Um, it's also super cool. You talked about your dad, like, you know, he's in this very, um, you know, maybe non-creative field per se, but it's neat that he took the time outside of that to like, you know, investigate some of these creative interests of his and learn those 3D programs. I'm, I'm impressed with that, especially because <laughs> 3D and, and, and those like three-dimensional programs are very mathematic based and like, I don't know, I'm very two-dimensional and I like to stay analog a lot. So people who take the time to learn those 3D programs, I have tremendous respect for that. Oh, likewise, man. I mean, I, I'm admittedly pretty bad with technology of it, as I touched on, like my procreate skills are very rudimentary and, you know, I can make it work, but that's not my forte. Um, but yeah, my dad is also really big in music. So he's really, he takes guitar lessons to this day. So he does have that kind of creative mind. And to kind of touch on what you said, um, another figure in my life who did essentially marry into my family um, was my, my grandmother's ex. Um, he went by Aloni. Um, he was a pretty well-known artist from Israel and he does these crazy abstract works and he converted my grandmother's garage into a full-on studio. So I go wow. and just watch him and his methodology and the tools he used and kind of everything I had never seen in person before. And like, it's another thing where it was part of my upbringing and I didn't think much of it, but looking back at his work and then looking at my work now, totally there's influence and I took stuff away from just watching him um yeah he's, he's his work is crazy uh, Aloni L A L O N I um if anybody wants to look up his work he, he was really talented yeah that's really cool man that it's funny you bring that up it brings to mind um I I there's people in my family that are artists and I've talked about this kind of on previous podcasts where like you know some of them are just hobby painters or you know, my grandma paints like a, a, uh, custom holiday card every year and she crafts like a nice little winter scene and sends it out with you know, Merry Christmas or something like that. Yeah. Um, but like a professional artist, a person who like, they make their livelihood and their like day job is painting for a living or crafting or sculpting. Like I had never seen that either, um, before. And when I was going through school, I, I took a painting class called encaustic painting. Have you ever heard of this? No. So I hadn't either. I honestly just needed an extra credit through, through art school that I, you know, had a chance to pick a random course. And I was like, encaustic painting, what is that? And so I Google it and basically it's the practice of using beeswax and hmm. applying dye to it and then painting with beeswax. Whoa. Yeah. So it's wild. Like basically you have a hot plate and um, you melt a bunch of beeswax and apply dyes to them. And then you basically have like a hot plate that is your color palette. And then you dip like these special brushes into it. And then you can literally just like apply paint. And it's like super thick stuff. It's like immediately okay. after one brush stroke, it's already like dried. So like as you keep painting over a layer, it just like grows in height. Like, you know how paint kind of does that sometimes? Like sure. as it dries or you, you peel uh, Say again? It exacerbates that effect. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you could end up with a stack of like encaustic paint this tall. It was super weird. But long story short, this kid who was in that class with me, um, he was from Ecuador and he uh -huh. was getting his master's at Heron, which is the college I went to. And he just invited me, hey, come down by my studio someday. And I didn't know this, but he had like a studio through the master's program at my school. So one, one day after class, I go in there and like, dude, he's got these crazy paintings on the wall and he's like putting paint into like a squirt gun and squirting it on the canvas. I mean, it was just, he's that, it was just that, that stereotypical, like crazy guy with an art studio, you know? And I'd, I'd seen it in movies maybe, but I didn't know like people like that still existed. Totally, totally. It's probably a similar experience to, to that guy that you were talking about too. It's like, oh, I didn't know people do this like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I would go in the garage and, you know, I thought you just put 
canvas on an easel and have this neat little pile, but he would have, you know, pieces of tile and wood and collaging and like ripping things apart. He had a really messy process that did not make any sense to me at all. It just, it didn't make any sense. And then ironically, later in life, when I started doing more fine art on my own, I would find myself doing the same thing. Like I would just have a pile on the floor of just random shit and just kind of using everything at my disposal. So uh, it definitely had an impact. I and mean, he, he was definitely the kind of cliche, mad scientist, artist type of deal, you know, where he was just like a flurry, but he knew what he was doing. Yeah, that's awesome. I would say my buddy Andreas is definitely very similar to that. He was like, he would do a painting on the, on like a wooden panel and then just take a knife and just yeah. like scrape the painting away. And then he would like take just like really expensive oil paint and just like squirt it onto a knife. And then just like, I mean, dude, the canvases looked like they just went to battle and came back. They were wild looking, but it was unique to see that, man, people are just out here doing this, you know, it was wild. Was what, what age were you when you uh, went to his studio for the first time? So the studio, as I said, was out of the garage of my grandmother's house. So I want to say the first time I remember seeing it was when I was like 10 or 11. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I still didn't really have a concept of how the world worked at all, but I would see it, you know, inside the studio and what he was doing. And, um, you know, when you're that young, things kind of intrinsically just go into your psyche and yeah, it definitely had an impact. That's so cool. Um, was art on your radar? Maybe not art on the, the scale it is today being, you know, it's your profession. It's what you do nine to five. It's like your whole being is being an artist and a creative. But as a kid, were you like drawing or sketching or, you know, was art on your radar at all at that age? Yeah, ever since I was super young, I was always drawing, which I think everybody does. Uh, but I was almost obsessive about it. I would have these sketchbooks that I would just fill up and my style is so weird, man. Like I look back at those sketchbooks and they kind of creep me out. It's all these like really detailed monsters and like, just, I don't know. I was definitely like, there was some darkness in me when I was a little kid, man. It, it, it's, it's all fucking like really detailed, like monsters with all these creases. And it's almost like the exact opposite of what I do now. Like it's really detailed, like fine line stuff. Um, and my parents encouraged it. They, they, to their credit, they've always been, you know, a big advocate of the arts. Um, so I actually went to something called the Brentwood Art Center. It was an after-school program, and I took comic book illustrating. Um, that's what I thought I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be an inker for comics, which is essentially, you know, you take people's sketches and you literally ink over them. Because I really, really like doing exact line work. Um, so I have worked from when I was in my like preteens to early teens. That's all like Spider-Man, Robin from Batman and Robin, but like, you know, portrait comic book style, like very precise. And I look at it now and it's, it's really weird. It's almost like I have cognitive dissonance because it doesn't seem like something that I would ever do now. Um, but yeah, so that long story short, it's, it's been a part of my life for a while, but it was never... Like the thought of being an inker was like, oh, that sounds cool. But it was kind of like a, I even knew as a kid, like, oh, that would be cool if maybe that happens, but I'm going to go to college and get a you know regular job. Right, right. Yeah, that's super interesting, man. That's, it's kind of interesting hearing back on like you being into kind of comic book type of a thing, because I feel like with your graffiti background and also your fine art practice, it still does carry some of like, and if you've seen Darren's work, you can probably kind of see what I'm talking about. There's the the vibrancy of some of the yellows and the reds and stuff are very like, I don't want to say they're comic booky type of colors, but they definitely carry some of that like silkscreen classic comic book sort of, uh, you know, old pressed vinyl sort of look to them, which I think is really cool. Um, and it's also funny too, thinking back how you're like, you know, I was doing these crazy monster you know, high precise drawings. When I was a kid, I was drawing like Michael Jordan or like all these sports figures. And now like, I don't even watch sports anymore, but it's, it's, it's kind of like you're saying that that cognitive dissonance of like, I guess I was just obsessed with that as a kid. I, I just drew it all the time, but 
it's weird how that stuff kind of fizzles out and then you find a, a different direction. Um, as you sort of developed as an artist, what sort of prompted some of your, um, some of your, your aesthetic or your visual language, would you say? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. I, I feel like I'm still kind of establishing it, um, or reestablishing it, but as you mentioned, you know, when I was fairly young, uh, I got into graffiti, um, and between the kind of comics and, uh, it's really stereotypical, but anime, um, to my defense, I am half Asian, <laughs> um, but you know, like movies like Akira, Ghost in the Shell, um, and artists like uh, Yoshitoma Nara, who does these uh, really kind of cartoony looking um, girls with big eyes. Um, I saw a show of his when I was really young. Um, my grandma actually took me. Now that I think about it, my grandma's a big influence in my art. Um, yeah. And, but uh, basically because of skateboarding, which I was heavily into, I still am, but I just can't really physically do it much anymore. Um, I was introduced to graffiti. All the older skater friends I had when we go to spots would, um, you know, catch little tags. Uh, and then even my peers eventually. Uh, ironically, I told them that they were fucking stupid. And they were like, you know, I was like, you're burning out the skateboarding spot. They're going to come here and bust you for doing graffiti. Um, and I hated on it. I thought it was so dumb. And then one day somebody gave me, you know, like a big Sharpie. And I drew something on a table and I was like, ooh, that's super fun. And then it w I became part of that culture as well. Um, but that definitely shifted my, my view and kind of art practice. Uh, that's when I really stopped going to the Brentwood Art Center and, and stopped caring as much about, I don't know, comic book art, I would say. Um, but funny enough, I was really, really into thick, black lines and really like precise line work in my graffiti practice. Like that's what I was obsessed with for a long time. Like making sure that everything was perfect, like cutting back and uh, cutting back is when you take a color of the fill and then you go over the outline. I mean, you do the same thing in painting, right? But it's just to make everything really precise. And so there is still a carryover of that kind of comic book-esque mindset, but I kind of, I kind of dissipated anything quote unquote fine art and just was doing graffiti, um, for quite a while. Why do you think that is like what, what prompted that sort of shift for you? I mean, being kind of stereotypical, rebellious teenager, um, it went hand in hand with skateboarding. So it was something that I could do with my friends and kept me active and, um, and it was just fun. I just found it really fun. Um, and using a spray can became more second nature than using a pen or a paintbrush. Uh, and it wasn't until much later in life that I kind of went full circle and started to do, you know, kind of quote unquote regular paintings again. How recent was that transition back to like regular painting? Well, not that graffiti is not regular, but like in the classical sense of, you know, a canvas, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. So, um, ah, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I want to say six or seven years ago, um, I was working a really kind of nine to five office job. I used to work in the tech industry, believe it or not, um, doing marketing and sales. Um, and, you know, straight up was wearing Oxford every day, uh, you know, had a name badge, the whole nine. Um, and so I was doing that and I wasn't really um, painting graffiti as much. So I was trying to like, quote unquote, clean my life up and, you know, do what I thought I was supposed to be doing. But I still always had this creative, you know, need inside of me. So this, the year that I was working at this certain office job in L.A., was one of the most productive years I had creatively because after my job, I would go home and set aside, I would say one hour, that's, that was my rule to myself, but it would usually become the entire night to paint. And um, I kind of rediscovered my love for making fine art. Um, and then I would started posting it on Instagram and like getting some, you know, love for it. And I was like, cool. And so I was doing a lot of work on paper 
that was multimedia after work. And um, I did that for a year and some change. And that, that was definitely the, the shift for me. Very cool. That's awesome to hear, man. Um, what was your, you know, I guess it's kind of hard to explain to those who, you know, don't really come from the graffiti realm, but like, as you dedicate years into graffiti and painting all over the city and traveling, doing that, when you shift from kind of painting graffiti to doing, let's say a studio practice or approaching doing murals, there's this stigma of, of selling out in the graffiti culture of, oh, you know, he's a mural artist, he's a tattooer, he's a graphic designer now. It's like, you know, there, there's this kind of cultural backlash that can be had for not just, you know, purely devoting your entire life to the culture of graffiti, you know, which, you know, to those who do it, more power to them. That's super awesome. And, you know, some people out there really crush it. And those are the people that deserve that recognition, I feel like. But um, did you receive any kind of backlash or, you know, maybe not backlash is the word, but I guess just what was that transition like? And um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to this day, that happens to me. Um, I feel like it comes in waves every time some new stage in my quote unquote career happens, there is some sort of backlash and it's, you know, I feel like this happens with anybody who gets any sort of recognition is you get, you know, all these people giving you accolades and then a few people doing the opposite. And for me personally, I'm still trying to learn how to filter that out because as you said, I come from a skateboarding and graffiti background. Both of those cultures are really accepting, but also very rigid, which is funny because they're supposed to be these free form, free expression, illegal activities, but there's all these rules that you need to adhere by or else you suck. And if you break the mold, you're, you're whack, you're, you're, you know, you're corny. Um, and I, I honestly, it took me a long time to shake that mindset. That's kind of what kept me from doing fine art for a long time, which is such a self-defeating prophecy because there's no reason you can't do both. I mean, there's people that I respect purely in the graffiti world that actually have a really sick fine art practice too. I mean, the easiest example would be, you know, someone like Barry McGee, he still catches twist tags and is fairly active, but he's a, a fine artist and another person in his crew or people are OS Gemios, the twins. They still do graffiti and they have a fine art practice. Um, I mean, I can go on and on. Porphy out in Paris. Um, so there's no reason that you can't do both, but there always there, there are going to be purists no matter what. Um, and as you said, I respect it and I understand where they're coming from because I thought like that for a number of years, but it's just not me anymore. And all I can really do is be true to what I feel like I want to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, as I said, I still get backlash to this day. I had to handle a little something this weekend about uh, a mural getting gone over. Um, but at the end of the day, I've been kind of true to my practice for as long as I've been doing it. So I don't know if anybody hates on it, then I kind of just brush it off, dude. Not to say that it doesn't affect me. I'm a human being. Sometimes my reptile mind or my younger mind takes over and I'm like, no, like I'm, you, I'm not whack. Like I'm going to go catch a throwy on the freeway and show you what's up. But, um, but I honestly try to quell that now because for me, that's not productive. I still do it. I allegedly, but um, do it out of like spite or to prove something to me doesn't seem healthy anymore. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And I think, you know, something I wanted to touch on as well, you know, when I, when I started thinking, Hey, you know, I'd love to have Darren on the podcast. I'd love to talk to him. I, I really wanted to pick your brain on one. How did you sort of develop the, the studio practice art style that you have now? That's one. And then two, you know, maybe this funnels into that question, but is, is, uh, where you grew up in like the city you're in, does that play a role 
you know, maybe influence wise in some of the, the art direction or art style that you have for not only your graffiti, but studio practice, because for example, being from the Midwest, you know, there's this constant sort of Midwest insecurity where stuff from LA or California and stuff from New York city is inherently like it carries a certain cachet of like, Oh, you know, they're a New York artist or they're from California and people from the Midwest are always like, Ooh, you know, that's really cool. And even if it's something that, you know, I'm, I don't necessarily resonate with, it still has a huge impact here. Um, so that has somewhat formed a little bit of my, some of my, uh, different opinions on the state of art sort of in the Midwest or kind of what I'm trying to do. So that, that's a long form way of kind of asking like, you know, what are your, some of your influences art wise past just family? And then two, does your location play a role in that at all? Yeah, totally. No, that's a good question. Uh, and I've, I've definitely thought about that, you know, ad nauseum at times. I can be really introspective to a fault. Um, and whenever I, I've done not that many, but I've done a, a few podcasts or interviews. So whenever I have these coming up, I, I tend to think about those kind of things. Um, to answer your first question about studio practice, uh, this is actually the first real studio that I have um, that you're looking at right now. I'm sitting in my first real official studio. Um, so in the in the really kind of dictionary definition of studio practice, I just started. <laughs> um, as far as you know, painting in my my apartment and making my own personal work. As I said, they kind of started when I had the nine to five job and I would do it after. And then I just carried that on. So, um, you know, I would get sidetracked for lack of a better term by getting more into graffiti or whatever, but it, it's something that I carried constantly with me, um, from that time. So for the past, you know, seven, eight years, um, and then also before that too, in college, like I was in a group show and um, it, it's always kind of been in my life, but as far as it being a, a, a constant, I would say the past seven or eight years. Um, but, but this is literally the first real studio I've ever had. So, um, I'm, I'm still learning how to, how to do that. Um, my girlfriend okay. is a studio artist, so I've been taking a lot of views from her. Um, my bad. Yeah. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say congrats on, on the first official studio, dude. That's awesome. Apartment painting is a realm of its own, so a nice space where you have room to think is is really cool. Yeah, it's it's something that I've wanted to do for a while, and I finally pulled the trigger. Um, a lot of people always tell me that I should paint on a larger scale, including yourself, because um, all my works tend to be pretty small. Because I'm so used to painting like on a table in my apartment. Um, so now, you know, I have this white wall to my right where I can hang stuff up and kind of go crazy. And it's, it's going to inform and has been informing my work in a way that is really cool. I'm excited about it. Um, and then as far as location, what you said is true. I have lived mostly between the Bay Area, which is San Francisco and Oakland and everything in between, and Los Angeles, which are both the epicenters of art and specifically graffiti. Um, so I was, I've been surrounded by the cream of the crop my entire life, which has informed my, my practice for sure, um, for better or for worse. I mean, I'm to this day constantly um, looking at people who are at the top of their game and thinking of them as peers because they're physically close to me. And so because of that, I have this intrinsic drive to be incredibly good. And I, it's, it's this unattainable goal, but it keeps me going. Um, so it's, it's, I've, I've embraced it at this point. I think it used to drive me a little crazy, um, especially in graffiti because there are people, I mean, in LA when I was out there and painting a lot, the MSK crew was really active. So that's what I saw all the time. I would see Revoke and Augur, Rhyme. Um, this is when they were really doing a lot of freeway spots and illegal work. And so that's what I saw. Like that was the standard that I was held at. And to those that don't know, those are literally some of the best in the world. Um, a lot of them are, are really good fine artists now as well. Um, so that informed my, my kind of earlier um, painting. And then 
uh, as I got a little bit older, I went to Paris um, for a summer and I saw the PALS crew, um, Orphy, Tomek, uh, O'Clock. I don't know if he's in PALS, but he was out there doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, and that really spoke to me, like their, that style. Um, so I came back to LA and I was doing more what they call European styles, which is actually somewhat aligned with the Bay Area. Um, um, well, be- yeah, go ahead. Before you keep going, what prompted the, the Paris trip? Oh, it was just a family trip. Um, I had a lot of connections to uh, France and specifically Paris. My, my mom was there for some of her childhood. Um, she's fluent in French. I went to a French preschool. Um, I used to be fluent, but I lost it because I didn't practice. Um, but my my stepmother at the time was from Paris, so we went back to to visit for a summer. Um, and I planned on skateboarding the whole time, but I twisted my ankle skating this um, famous spot called the Tokyo Palace, like this marble double set that's been like uh, I don't know for skate nerds, been like Medic Mahdi and all these old legendary videos, but I broke my ankle or twisted it. And so I would still go to these skate spots, but I couldn't skate. And so I started looking around and I noticed all the graffiti and that's, that really invigorated me. That's, that, that informed a lot of what I do. Had you been into graffiti in the Bay area or, or not Bay area, but just California in general prior to your Paris trip or did Paris kind of kick off your graffiti interest? I was into it. Um, but in a very, siloed way like i only looked at la stuff um my stuff is very like sharp and had cracks and it was like very mm, uh i mean honestly it, it kind of derived from from gang culture most of the la styles um and so i was kind of kind of emulating that and when i saw in paris that people were just breaking the rules and doing all kinds of crazy stuff that made more sense to me and, and i carried that on and like that's that's what like really catapulted my interests. So I was already into it, but that really took it to the next level. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. You were able to kind of see past some of the limits of, uh, you know, maybe maybe the scenes kind of trajectory and, and see other trajectories somewhere else that are on a completely different wavelength. That's probably extremely freeing for you, I bet. Cause like yeah. you said, you were a little siloed feeling somewhat before. Yeah, I mean, this is before like Instagram and all of that. So styles were still very regional. Um, so to travel somewhere and see art styles was, I think it was essential to making, you know, informed decisions about what direction you want to go in. Because I was also going to like, you know, the Louvre and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, so seeing that stuff in person was definitely cool and life-changing. Honestly, hot take, I think Mona Lisa is pretty fucking underwhelming. But, you know, I did get to see it. So I've heard. So I've heard. How was it looking through, uh, you know, the Louvre and, and some of those things? Like, you know, all of a sudden you're getting kind of a, a world class, you know, Paris is kind of the, the city of romance and also one of the, the biggest cities of art, too. So you really kind of jumped in head first there and, and kind of, you know, what, what was that like? Kind of like what what takeaways do you have from that trip, I guess, or or lessons from perceiving things differently that you took back home? I mean, I was such a little shit back then that I would go into these galleries and museums and kind of be bored, to be honest. But seeing the precision up close was impressive to me at the time, even if I pretended like it wasn't. So knowing that that was even possible with paint was really cool. And then walking around the streets, as I said, and seeing, you know, like Porphy's pull downs where he did these really cool intricate pieces, but they were also simple like letter fonts was really intriguing to me. Um, the scene out there in general was so different and, and vibrant and fun. And uh, yeah, it spoke to me. The, the museums and galleries, it was kind of like with what I said with my grandfather earlier, it was something that maybe got into my psyche underneath all the layers of, you know, teenage pessimism. But um, yeah, like the, the, the graffiti and street art out there really spoke to me, like space invaders and all that stuff's really intriguing. Definitely. It's cool how it's sort of, um, it, like you said, with comic book interest previously, um, you know, when you were there and you were interested in it, you know, it wasn't really, it wasn't really clicking at the time, but that experience still kind of grew on you over time. And eventually you're like, oh, I really did appreciate that, 
you know, going to the museum or, you know, seeing X or seeing Y. That's, that's really cool. Totally. Um, so another thing that I kind of wanted to touch on as well, um, I spoke with Dane, who's a tattoo artist here in Indianapolis, and we kind of discussed this phenomena of like kind of anti-style tattoos and, and kind of pairing that with like anti-style graffiti and sort of what has kind of prompted some of this movement. And I don't know, I was just curious kind of, I, I feel like it's, it's a disservice to call your graffiti and, and your studio practice anything like anti-style because it's very far from it. Um, you know, it's definitely anti some of those like ground rules that everyone kind of follows where the 3D goes straight down and there's the barcode 3D and, and same with studio practice. Like, you know, what, what is, what is your kind of hot take on, on the, the era of anti-style and some of this phenomena kind of worldwide, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Totally. Um, and you know, to the outside world who doesn't know what that term means, it sounds like it has a really negative connotation, like not having style, (laughs) excuse me. But, um, it basically just means that you're doing things kind of out of the box and not the same way that it's typically done. So I don't really have a problem being called anti-style or being part of that movement. I mean, I've been on some of those pages like, and you know, the anti-stylers and all that kind of stuff. Um, I actually didn't really understand it for a long time, especially when it came to uh, graffiti. One group, and crew that really kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities and kind of the legitimacy of it was uh, a crew called BKF, which is Big Kid Fun. Um, they're based out of San Francisco. Um, they're still going strong, but people like uh, Orphan, RIP, uh, Panda Sex, um, God, who else is in BKF? Oh, my homie Chunied. Um, just like they. They were basically just abstract artists that would do graffiti the way that they would do abstract art. Mm. And I did not fucking get it. Like, I remember looking at it and being like, what the fuck am I looking at? This is stupid. And then eventually I was like, wait, but BKF is cool. Well, why do they paint like that? And it really like blew my young mind. Um, And I started paying attention. And then there were people from LA um, like Otis, JDI, who kind of took cues from that as well. And I started to maybe not understand, but appreciate it more. Um, and in my personal art style, it's, it's pretty abstract and kind of speaks more to that kind of, um, language. And so in the more recent years i've honestly tried to find a way to do graffiti in a way that it melds the two worlds of my my personal practice and my background in graffiti um and that's kind of become my anti-style output i guess you would call it um yeah but it's it is kind of strange that it's something that's supposed to be you know out of the box but now it's its own category because that's what happens with everything right um, like with, with like wild style and graffiti or like modernism and postmodernism and art, you know, it starts to have a label and then people actually do start following rules. And it's, there's an irony in that, like with the anti style art, you can kind of tell when people are going for it, if like they're going outside of the lines on purpose. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I fucking love that shit. That, I guess that's my hot take. <laughs> Definitely. And then also my, my girlfriend, Hillary, just, just got in the studio. She's been nice and quiet. You want to say hi? Hi. What up, Hillary? How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, studio looks awesome. Okay. Wait, can she make, come on, let's make a guest appearance. But yeah, since you're here too, I, if you don't mind, I could pick your brain a little bit as well. Is that cool? Yeah, I walked in on anti-style, so let's go. <laughs> yeah, she loves anti-style. <laughs> I actually, when I first started doing graffiti, um, which was like a couple months ago, I um, I did a piece and it looked very purposely anti-style, which I didn't know what that was <laughs> at the time. And people were like, oh my God, she's already an anti-styler. She's already like doing this. And I had no idea. 
But because it was just me actually trying, so like, oh, okay. I love well, like I, I don't know. Well, I don't want to speak for you, but like her app, her style, like her portraiture and stuff is is already like breaking the rules of like normal line work and stuff. So it was it's very natural. Um, so yeah, that was it was pretty funny. We we still laugh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. It's funny how you know, kind of how Darren and I were speaking before there's all these, these rules and, and categories in graffiti that sort of exist. And so like literally someone just coming on the scene, people are like, Oh, you're that thing. We, Oh, we know what you do. And you're like, dude, I just got here. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out still, you know? Yeah. I already have like a label. It's so funny. Yeah. Those, the graffiti culture is different for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What, what's been your experience kind of, uh, you know, joining graffiti through, you know, through maybe Darren per se, and also, you know, having this background doing portraiture and, and, you know, your really cool painting style, what's that kind of like, that that um, jump? It is, it's like the first thing that really struck me was the culture around graffiti. Um, I find it really, I, I used to just see it as like, you know, kind of you're trashing public property. I never really saw it as art um, until I started doing it. So what really like got me into it was the community behind it. You can, when you see your friend's name on you, you know you're walking down the street and you're like you can recognize different styles and appreciate what people are doing um that's what really um yeah that got me more into graffiti was the culture of it and um it's also helped with my art surprisingly um it, it well not surprisingly but it, <laughs> it, like, how so helps me, um, with color contrast um picking out colors that um Cause I, I, I don't really think about it like that. When you have to go get paint cans, you're like kind of stuck with those colors. So you really have to make the right decision. And it helps me do that quicker uh, when I'm painting. So I'm not like, so I'm making better decisions and quicker decisions um, with color contrast and, and color, yeah. Definitely, um, I, I share that same sentiment too. I recall just opening the trunk of my car with just random colors scattered around. I'm like, all right. I got to put something together out of this. And a lot of times, you know, you learn fast. These yeah. colors together, you can't even read this thing when I'm done with it. So you learn kind of some go-tos and some some stay away from color combos for sure pretty quick. Oh, yeah, it's cool. Like you asked earlier about studio practice and um, kind of how my like art language has evolved. Um, a lot of it, honestly, is, is being with Hillary and seeing the way that she does stuff. I feel like we pick up on each other's cues because we have super, super different styles, but we, we know we talk about this shit nonstop. And um, when she told me that just the spray paint stuff informs her color decisions, I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, I've been doing that forever. I didn't know that. Um, like when you're talking about like yellows and all that, uh, you know, my color choices, it, it totally comes from the kind of limits of, of spray paint. Um, but it, but at the, you know, on the opposite end, it's been really cool to watch her do kind of more quote unquote traditional painting because I pick up on stuff that I should have known years ago. It's really embarrassing. Like I didn't know how to, <laughs> I didn't know what gesso was. You also gesso. I called it gesso. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's like, wait, you're supposed to put something on the canvas before you paint it? I thought you just put Rust-Oleum directly on raw concrete. Like, <laughs> Oh, dude. Yeah, I mean, oh, man. Yeah, she could She has so many embarrassing stories about, like, my ignorance. Okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, Hillary, what was your kind of art background sort of like growing up? Or did you have any any relatives or neighbors or somebody who was into art that kind of put you on early to, you know, that curiosity that us artists sort of have? Um, I was always really into art in high school. I was in AP art classes. Um, it was when I went to college that I really got into um, art professionally because my, uh, my professor told me that I should start selling art professionally and like in my drawing one class. And I was like, what? And Lo and behold, like that semester, I was making album covers for people and doing logo design and stuff. Uh, but in my family, no, there wasn't anyone super like, there wasn't any influence that was super creative uh, in that in the art realm. So I, I'm kind of the odd man out of my family. Like I 
I almost feel like the cool celebrity for doing it because they're like, oh my God, Hillary's doing all these amazing paintings out in California. And they see it as this like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, my family definitely does not feel like what I'm doing is really cool. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel like they still kind of put it in the hobby category, even though I'm like, this is my job and what I do. Yeah. They're like, oh, that's cool. That's cute. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys have a studio now. That's super exciting. Have you found even just being there in the first couple of weeks, has there been any uh, a, a change in sort of your approach now that you're there? Uh, yeah, being able to turn it off and get fresh eyes in the morning is like, I used to just go back to my painting all the time and like mess with it because I just can't put the brush down. Um, so when I like close the door here and I leave, it's really nice to know that it's, that I haven't ruined my painting and I can come back and, and look at it with fresh eyes, which is so important. Yeah, before we, uh, we had the studio, I, I, I did my best to make our apartment have its own studio, but it's not the biggest apartment in the world. And it basically took up most of our living room and she'd had like this big stretch canvas take up an entire wall. So when we were like sitting and like watching TV, we would just be right like, there and she would, yeah, she would just get up and like start tinkering it. And I'm like, no, like, let's, I know. yeah. But uh, so having that separation has been, been really nice. And for me, I never really had that even. So mm. I'd, it's helped a lot with my mental health, um, and I think the same with you, right? Yeah. We talked about that. Um, yeah, for sure. And not having paint all over the dishes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We were using our dishwashing sink <laughs> as the slop sink, which is yeah, probably not so probably not good. Um, so yeah, yeah, I can't get this uh, this food off this place. Like, oh, just there's turpentine in the sink. Just go for it. <laughs> oh, to this day, like, yeah, some of my plate or some of our plates have you know, paint on them and stuff. <laughs> We're like little, little kids. We're sad. God, such artists. But um, do you wanna you wanna tell the public about some upcoming shows that you have? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so uh, I have I just actually was announced yesterday that I'm gonna be in a group show at Westward Gallery in Denver. Um, alongside alongside some other awesome Denver local artists. Um, Shout out to the homie bird seat Anthony. Yeah, and Julio. Um, and then we have our San Clemente show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is May. Wait, that that show is in April. Sorry, that show is um, the the Denver show is in April, and then the San Clemente show is in May. It's in May. It's the last Friday of May. Um, it's myself, Hillary, and Bud. It's a three-person show. But we're also gonna have a wall where we put up um, our entire crew slash collective as well. CCC. Heck yeah. Yeah. Do you guys care to expand upon uh, CCC a little yeah. bit more? I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more backstory because I feel like I, I joined the train kind of uh, as the train is, is a growing. So I'd love to hear kind of the, the inside scoop on the, the history. Well, you know, what's funny is uh, I think what I, you kind of invented it. I, it was, it was, we did it. Like, we came up with it together. Like it was, Adam, yeah. yeah, I don't, we were in Malibu painting with Crumpton yeah. and Kate, and we were like, thinking how, like, it was like, kind of a joke at first. Totally a joke. And we were, then we just kept throwing it up everywhere, and then, I don't know, it became sort of this art collective thing, we called it the city cleanup crew for a while, because they were, um, we were like doing murals downtown, and people were like, thanking us for doing them, so like, it was, it, we felt more like we were doing kind of a city cleanup vibe, and then it turned into more of an art collective um, kind of thing. So. Yeah, That's awesome. The name came from the fact that we were uh, allegedly painting graffiti in Malibu, and like the juxtaposition of like, we're painting graffiti in, in like, Malibu. In Malibu. Like, it, it felt like so, I don't know. It just, yeah, it's so, so uh, and then afterwards we had this kind of like fancy Malibu day and celebrated her birthday. Um, so we were, we were like, we're like country club criminals. And that's where, the, yeah. that's where CCC came from. And like, we were just completely messing around. It was just, we just started throwing that up, you know, next to what we were painting. And um, we kind of just kept it going and it was a total joke. And then, uh, I don't even remember how we started. I think we asked 
Bud Snow to be in it. And then she, yeah, she started. That's really, you know what? That's what it was. I think it's that, Bud yeah. We got, we were like, Bud, you want to be in our art collective? Because it's not like, it's not really. And then she yeah. got very selective about it. it yeah. Like, <laughs> saying that we needed to hold like board meetings and stuff. And they're like, what are you talking about? This is yeah. like. And then, then it became fun to do that. We're like, actually, no, it'd be cool to like select a group of people that we like personally and that we like believe in as artists and that would fit into this aesthetic that we have. Um, yeah. So it ended up being a really cool thing. Yeah, and, and it's cool because without being like, without making it a goal, we have a really mixed and diverse group of people in the collective. We have you know, women, we have people of like all races, we have people that come from uh, purely graffiti or purely art and do both. Um, so it's fun. And and uh, yeah, we have like art shows lined up where we're gonna include everybody. And um, yeah, it's become, a, it's become a thing, but it's also like remained to be fun, which is the goal. Yeah, so has that underlying joking fun mentality. I think. So I think that's what makes it nice is the lightheartedness. Yeah, I think that's definitely needed this day and age too. And I think kind of back to what Darren was saying earlier with his graffiti stuff, kind of catching, not even graffiti, but even studio stuff, catching some some flack from some of the rule enforcer people in the graffiti slash fine art realm. You know, really, I, that's what I resonated a lot with. Uh, I, I call it triple C. I don't know if you guys <laughs> yeah. call it CCC. Yeah. I love that. No, the triple C, I, I love that because it's like... Uh, I mean, I I was been doing that because of Three Six Mafia. Triple <laughs> Six. Three C Mafia. Yeah, I've been. I'll let this. I let this idea out of the bag. But uh, I I really want to do like a mural or like clothing or something where we do a flip on Three Six Mafia with CCC in there. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, that'd be tight, man, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's that's something that really drew me to what you guys were doing with that. Where like. You know, yeah, being an artist, it is this very serious thing. It's like, you know, you have to take your craft very seriously and, you know, same with graffiti, but it doesn't need to be that serious all the time. You know, it can be lighthearted. You can just have a collective of people who are friendly, who like to, you know, conversate and and intermingle and share kind of some secrets or some, you know, like Hillary was telling me the other day about some NFT stuff that like, man, I don't know anything about that. So even just having people that kind of pick, pick people's brain is like super beneficial for sure for everyone involved. That's good to hear. That's, I mean, there's no real goal, but if we did have a goal, it's just to have our friends um, share knowledge and encourage each other, which it seems like it's naturally doing through our insane group chat. So (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. How would you say that um, the two of you being together has changed both of your art practices? I'll start with Hillary first and then I'll go to Darren second. Um, it's definitely made me like, um, more, I don't know, productive. Um, I've been more like on top of finishing stuff because I kind of have an accountability person. Like, um, I don't know. It's been, I've been, I've been open to new, um, art opportunities. Like I've started doing murals because of Darren, um, and I'm actually like going to finish a mural today that I got, it was like a lead from Darren that I honestly would have been kind of scared to just like jump into, but watching him do it, it was like, oh, this is just a, a big painting. Um, so yeah, the mural world, um, we kind of just like, I don't know, both of us staying on top of events and stuff and like mixing um, into each other's crews has been really cool because we've been able to expand our networks and, and show places we normally wouldn't shown so that's how it's it's changed for me it's just that's awesome that's that's really cool yeah i was wondering too like with your stuff being so you know relatively figure based granted you 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 bring an abstract element to the you know the representational paintings etc um but like darren being you know coming from the the graffiti slash kind of uh minimalism abstraction background I'm, i'm curious from darren's point of view too like what, what is it like being kind of surrounded by someone who's rendering things from reference or, you know, things that are supposed to look like a certain thing? That's that's kind of different compared to what you do usually, which is okay. I, I love that both of those about both of what you guys do. So I'm just curious how that overlap is. Yeah, I mean, I definitely echo the sentiment that 
my network, both literally and figuratively, has expanded a lot. Um, because of Hillary, we're in, we're in uh, Colorado a good amount now. So just being in a different scene and, and um, meeting different people has definitely informed different things that I've done. Um, also, she has kept like a really good studio practice for the time that we have even known each other before we were dating. Um, and to see that has kind of informed the way that I look at studio practice. Um, she, she like may not, it, it's not the same like hours every day, but it's every day dedicated to doing it. Um, and I have never actually seen that up close before. Um, and as I said, honestly, just really stupid shit, like gessoing canvases, stretching mm -hmm. a canvas, like using the right acrylics, <laughs> like, oh God, it's, it's bad. Like the, my ignorance is, it's, it's, it goes for, for miles and miles. So she's maybe unknowingly, but probably knowingly, she teases me all the time, <laughs> uh, has taught me a lot. Um, and like, yeah, I guess I've taught her stuff, but I don't know what the fuck. Like, I'm just like, let's go paint a wall. <laughs> like, oh, you can't paint a train today. I have to like send this. Okay, email. <laughs> that's that, that's not true. Okay. How can you paint trains? But like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, I think that the main thing that I mean for me that we kind of we we can all hold each other accountable for both like having fun and being professional like i think it's a really good like balance and um yeah i don't know it just it just uh opens the world up to to a different viewpoint all the time absolutely that that's super cool to hear and it's exciting i think y'all are at a really cool interesting place in, in terms of your studio and and even like hillary said starting to do murals you know it, it's cool to see that that interconnection of of what y'all are doing you know collaboratively but also independently it's going to be exciting to see next couple of years what uh you two and the the triple c gang are, are able to put together yeah i'd also say like uh a lot of it is because of hillary and then it's all uh, me baby it's all it's all like, <laughs> i didn't even finish my thought yet um, i was gonna say it's like uh you know because she she had this or still has this like very serious like studio practice and does you know large canvases uh, I've naturally gravitated towards wanting to do that as well. Um, and kind of looking at galleries and art shows is something that I, I wanted to do. And then putting that energy out there through, uh, our, again, through our friend Bud, we were put into this uh, gallery show in Denver with a lot of really cool artists like Shepard Ferry, Mike Giant, um, Foz out in England. Uh, a bunch of skateboard artists so I you know I, for me I was geeking out but um, I never would have even thought to like try to be in that sort of realm if I wasn't with Hillary because I was like oh yeah you should be in it and then they were like no you should be in it too and it's like oh fuck okay and then from there yeah now we have you know shows this year and um, it's just opened up worlds on both ends so it's been really cool um well, Hillary, it was cool to have you pop in. We definitely didn't have that plan, but I'm super stoked that you were able to to show up. I was wondering if you were standing off in the corner or or, or where Darren was keeping you. <laughs> yeah, she she walked in like halfway through, but she was super quiet. Anti style. Oh yeah, she walked in anti style, so it was like perfect timing. Heck yeah! Right, well, go. good to see you. Kill, kill yeah, that. you too. Stuff. <laughs> I th it was it was super cool here in you know, your, your thoughts on things here and some of your background. Um, I guess one last question I had, you mentioned before your Asian heritage. Um, and I was also wondering too, being that you're in California, I, I still find it a little bizarre that there's this European, like super strong influence on the West coast of the U S whereas these Asian countries are, you know, maybe a closer flight or they're, 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 I guess, closer in, in nature to sort of the West coast of, you know, California, et cetera. So is there some Asian influence in some of your artwork or sort of in the fabric of, of where you're from? Is that sort of prevalent there? Honestly, I don't really see much 
influence from my Asian background besides the subject matter I used to paint. I used to do more like cartoony illustrative stuff and a lot of that was informed by uh, Asian characters on you know candies or in shows. Um, so most literally the subject matter for sure. Um, but I don't know if it really informs my practice. It might be one of those things where in five or ten years I look back and go oh yeah that's from you know a temple in Angkor Wat or something but in the immediacy to be completely honest I, I don't know if there's really an influence there i wish i could say there is because that would make me sound more interesting but <laughs> oh it's all good man no I, w- I was just curious i didn't know if it played into you know color for instance or but i think the comic book thing definitely H- had you considered that before that those colors sort of came from some of that early interest potentially honestly not really but i mean i did see that um you know artists like roy lichtenstein and um later in life Rothko um I could definitely see a through line there um I think maybe even more so than comic books and illustrating um skateboarding has definitely informed a lot of my decisions in life for better or for worse and that definitely reflects in my art as well um and traditionally skateboard graphics are I mean pun not intended but are very graphic uh you know, if you look at the early blind um, skateboard graphics, which were pretty legendary, I was like Jason Lee and Mark Gonzalez. Jason Lee's an actor now. He was like, you know, he's in Mallrats and uh, my name is Earl. But before that, he was uh, a pro skater with one of the best trade flips in the game. And he was on this company called Blind, and they are super influential on the entire culture. And a lot of it was appropriating cartoons and just really like illustrative work. Um, I also grew up copying skateboard logos, like just drawing them over and over. And one of the main logos that I would copy in practice was Think, Think Skateboards. And it said Think, and it had flames. And I had it down to a science. And uh, later in life, I found out that Mike Giant was the one who made that logo and was doing a lot of those things that I was copying. So unbeknownst to me, you know, this big um, figure in art and graffiti was informing my really early sketches, which is really cool. I actually told him that in person a few months ago, which was cool. That's awesome, man. That's super cool to hear. Who would have thought, right? Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I mean, again, like even like Twist, Barry McGee, like he did a, oh my God, what company was it? So, yeah, not super not. I don't know, another skateboard company. It's defunct now, but in the 90s, he was doing graphics for them too. And um uh persuade did a lot of stuff with osiris um which i which i didn't know like there's a video called subject to change which came out in the early aughts and there was really cool watercolor cartoons that were in it and he's the one that did it and i would have never known that um so it's really cool how things come full circle but i would say more so than comics more so than anime or any of that shit skateboarding definitely has a huge influence on any sort of aesthetic or taste that I have to this day. That's awesome, man. That's super duper cool. I didn't know that persuade thing either. I'll have to, yeah, if you, if you could send me a link to that, I'd love to check that out for sure. Yeah. I, uh, so, uh, Mike Jiden and him share a studio. So, um, I had the pleasure of visiting them when I was in San Diego and that's when I told, you know, Mike about that. And then, um, Persuade, he, I was looking around, he was showing me all this stuff, and he had a watercolor painting of this pro skater named Diego Bacheri. And not to say that everything he showed me wasn't impressive, you know, it was like really good black books and all this really cool work, but I saw this little tiny watercolor of Diego Bacheri, and I was like, holy shit, dude, you did the subject to change watercolors? And he was like, yeah, what? <laughs> like, it's like such a weird, like, obscure thing, but, um, yeah, that really tripped me out. I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get a link to the image and hit him up to see if he's cool with it. I'm sure he is. Yeah, I'd love to see that. That'd be awesome, man. Well, Darren, if you can, uh, let us know where more people can find your work and, and stay up to date with what you're doing. And same with Hillary, too, if you can help us provide, uh, or if you can provide us with that information, too. I'd love for people to, you know, check your stuff out, buy some paintings. Yeah, for sure. Um, most, as I said, I mean, Instagram at made by Darren, 
Um, I have a link tree on there, which uh, links to my Sachi art and some other stuff. Uh, but the Sachi art is where I sell my originals and also fine art prints. Um, for Hillary, she's, as I said before, Hill underscore Matic. And then her website is illustrated, like illustrated. And she sells prints and originals on there as well. Um, as far as website for myself, as I said earlier, I fucking suck at that shit. So, uh, she's gonna um, make that for me uh, sooner than later because I've been getting told that I guess having a website is like a thing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and I mean, a lot of projects are in the works. Um, as we said, some gallery shows are coming up, both in California and Colorado. Um, for my small company and myself, we have some mural projects that are coming up. Um, one that I can talk about is in the city of Santa Monica. Um, I'll be doing a fairly large project with them uh, in the coming months. And then, um, yeah, besides that, just a lot of, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll keep you in the loop because there's like some stuff I would want you to be involved with. You need to come out to California and play with us. I'd love to. Absolutely, man. I'll come out there for sure. Mark my words. I'll make it happen. Oh, and I want, and I want to backtrack. Maybe you can, if you're, if you're an editing master, you can splice this in. But when we're talking about uh, kind of people leveling up the uh, art collective, I, I, I would say Chris Canale also was, a, was an integral part of that uh, pyramid guy, a.k.a. Rack, a.k.a. Chris Canale uh, from OKC. He's, he's the man. Um, and he also, um, he gave me my first uh, mural festival opportunity, and then Hillary as well, and yeah. um, at Plaza Walls. And that, that definitely helped a lot with them, kind of like my confidence into my skills and being on a building next to like Sess and all these like legendary graffiti and artists that I've looked at for a long time was was really a trip. So yeah, thank you, Chris, for that opportunity and just for being a homie. Like he's he's so cool. <laughs> yeah, big shout out Chris. He crushes it, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well awesome, Darren. This was fun, man. We just burnt through an hour like nothing. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you get some useful tidbits out of that. It's not just me ranting the whole time. Oh no, man, this was super fun. I learned a bunch and I'm sure I'll learn more when I come out your way. Sick.